gentlemen, good morning and welcome back. After a week hiatus, we are back with another live episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, and today's a good one. It's all about the JYD, the Junkyard Dog. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I sit across from our personal JYD, the Jersey Yard Dog, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Good morning, Tommy. How are you doing today, brother? Grab them cakes. Oh, is that all you do? Grab them cakes. I don't care what it takes. Up and Jay. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Great topic today, Junkyard Dog. I'm standing in the wrestling collector right now looking at a full-size JYD poster hanging on my wall at the store that you would see in the middle of the WWF catalogs back in the 80s. I was a big JYD fan. I know you were too jumping J, and JYD was a part of pop culture. He had LJN figure. He was on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling cartoon show. I mean, he was one of those big babyface iconic names from that golden era of professional wrestling. We want to talk all about it today. What are your favorite memories of the Junkyard Dog? Give us a call now at 516-595-8295. Again, that's 516-595-8295. And grab some cakes with us today on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. I know the phone lines are lighting up already. Jumping Jay, real quickly, I want to say it's been personally here in New Jersey. I know maybe in the past in the podcast I talked about uh, the summers of 98 and 99 running uh, weekly wrestling events at the Wildwood Convention Center in Wildwood, New Jersey. That's our big tourist attraction in our state. That's probably where most people go to vacation at out of all the Jersey shores. Um, I ran there 98, 99 when I was only 21 years old. Uh, They knocked down the old convention center and built a new one that was three times the size, and WWE took that building over for the last 20 years. Now, since the pandemic, they haven't run that town because that's more of a B town than than an A town. And uh, through my persistence, I would would call there every year and and email them and uh, try and find a way to get back in there. And uh, this year, I... You know, through my persistence, I, I, I got in there, man. I'm so excited and so incredibly uh, excited to announce that ISPW will be doing Brawl on the Boardwalk on Saturday, August 26th at the Wildwood Convention Center in Wildwood, New Jersey. It's going to be a super, super, super big show for me. Probably the biggest show I ever ran, Jumpin' Jay. Uh, it's going to be tons of former TV stars there, including Scotty Tuhati, Fandango, Kurt Hawkins, who's red hot now as Brian Myers. Uh, Gilberg is going to be in action that night. Gilberg is coming back to wrestle at Brawl on the boardwalk. Also, Appa Jr., Bull James, Crowbar, Danny Morris, and Maven's going to be there. The Sandman, Brian Kendricks. It's going to be a big show. Steel cage match in women's action as well. Tickets are going to go on sale this weekend, Jumpin' Jay, on Ticketmaster. But it's going to be Brawl on the Boardwalk again Saturday, August the 26th at the Wildwood Convention Center in Wildwood, New Jersey. And I'm super, super pumped for it. Dude, I'm so happy for you. That is a huge announcement for ISPW and for you personally. That is a big-time 
arena man. Do you have any idea what what's the seating like in there? How many people can that place hold? Well, it can hold 8,000 people. I, I believe they're going to have it sectioned off in half for us. Uh, so I think it has capacity for uh, 4,000, but it's an 8,000-seat arena. It's, it's, it's big, man. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's a huge building. Huge accomplishment for you, Tommy. Uh, I'm very proud of you. I'm very happy for you. What an exciting summer Thanks, for ISBW and Tommy Fierro. Oh, yeah, and, and, and also while we're on ISW real quick, because we didn't have an episode last week here, uh, you were on vacation, Jumping Jay. Glad you had a great time. We have a new ISPW heavyweight champion as well, and that is Richard Holiday. Richard Holiday uh, won the tournament to be crowned the new ISPW heavyweight champion. I can tell you what, man, the first round match was him and Crowbar, and Crowbar was actually the favorite to win the tournament. Uh, we did a poll on our, 80, our uh, ISPW. Uh, Facebook page, and about 50% of the people voted for Crowbar. So to see him knocked out in the first round, mm-hmm. uh, everyone was like, their jaws hit the, the ground, and, and it knew, no one knew what was going to happen. And uh, by the end of the night, the, the crowd was solidly behind Richard Holiday. The match is actually on YouTube, our, on the ISPW Wrestling's YouTube channel. So definitely subscribe, and you can check it out. You can see Richard Holiday defeat Bull James in the finals. Uh, to capture the ISPW heavyweight title. And also, we're going to be uploading in the near future on our ISPW YouTube page some uh, old shows that we did at the Wild Convention Center back in the 90s. So definitely uh, keep checking back for that. We're going to have that up probably the next week or so. That is all fantastic news. Big shout-out to listener Toto with Tom. He was texting me match results from your big ISPW show, and so... Uh, I was able to kind of follow along that way, but I will definitely check out the YouTube page and watch the matches for myself. We're going to transition, Tommy, to the JYD, the Junkyard Dog. I know Dark Side of the Ring just aired an episode of him, and he's, unfortunately, a lot of the wrestlers that we grew up watching has kind of a tint of tragedy tragedy, uh, to their story, and JYD is no different. Um, But when he was here and when we were watching him, man, what a career, what a charismatic force the junkyard dog was not only in the mid-south but then when he transitions to the world wrestling federation part of one of the original lines of the ljns the thumb wrestlers he appeared on hulk hogan's rock and wrestling cartoons we definitely made his splash in the business and so we're going to talk all about our favorite memories and our favorite moments of the junkyard dog and we're going to kick it off with, you know, you, you open the show by saying that uh, Junkyard Dog was one of these premier baby faces that people loved to get behind. So we're going to kick the show off with our own premier baby face. We're talking none other than baby face Brian. Good morning, Brian. Welcome to the JYD Conversation. Good morning, uh, Jay. Good morning, Tommy. Uh, I'm glad you, uh, you guys are back. I hope you had a wonderful vacation with your family, Jay. Oh, it was, it was fantastic, Brian. Thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I got to get texts from uh, Toto Tom on your uh, your title tournament night, Tommy. It was uh, exciting following along and getting to hear the results from Toto Tom as they happened. So congratulations on the new champion, and uh, and big congratulations on landing that venue for your next big event. Uh, a lot of stars on that card, so great work. I, I don't think anybody worked harder in the world of pro wrestling than Tommy Fierro. Oh man, you're the best. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, it's. it's... It's been a uh, um, it's been on the top of my bucket list for the last twenty years to get in that building. So it's it's a uh, it's party time here in New Jersey. 
guys. Awesome. So uh, great timing with JYD. Um, it's been just over 25 years since he passed away, a quarter century, which is hard to believe. Uh, he left an indelible mark on the world of pro wrestling. And, and when you look at uh, Vince McMahon basically raiding the territories, there was, that, uh, there was a lot of big pieces he took from other places. Um, Hulk Hogan uh, being the chief one from AWA, uh, Roddy Piper, arguably the uh, the biggest talent that he took away from the NWA area, but uh, JYD by far and away the biggest talent that he took from Mid South, and who knows how much uh, more successful Mid South could have been if they'd been able to hold on to JYD. Um, the you know the very first WrestleMania being in the secondary title match against Greg Valentine tells you how high uh, JYD was on the card and. Uh, he was in five of the first six Saturday night's main events, um, the wrestling classic. Uh, I hadn't seen that until, oh, about five or six years ago. But uh, when I watched it back with my best friend uh, and, and saw JYD in the tournament final against uh, Randy Savage and, and JYD took it, that was something where, um, looking back, you can just see what a huge push he had from uh, summer of 84 when he entered WWF until – uh, basically, uh, middle of 86 against Terry Funk, it, it kind of started going downhill from there. But during that initial run with WWF, he was, uh, you know, top uh, two or three babyface in all of WWF and, and, you know, deserves a lot of credit for the build as far as you guys said, being on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, being part of the first WrestleMania and being part of uh, five of those first six Saturday night's main events. So, uh, in the grand scheme of things, JYD is a legendary guy that uh, uh, who knows where, how much uh, higher he would have gotten in Mid-South, but uh, as WWF fans, we're fortunate to have caught him. Um, one thing I just want to touch on is when I was watching in, in 86, I, I distinctly remember watching him on championship wrestling, teaming with uh, with George Steele and seeing uh, at the end of the matches when they would bring a, a couple of little kids into the ring and dance around. And it was just something where, um, you know, it, you, uh, you were jealous of those little kids getting to interact with the wrestlers and, and JYD, uh, he was somebody that uh, as, as charismatic as anybody and as crowd engaging as anybody. So it's good to look back on JYD and remember him fondly for uh, all that he gave the world of wrestling. So, uh, Thanks so much for letting me uh, speak a little bit on JYD, and and uh, I appreciate you guys letting us all come on every week and, and talk about our favorite era in wrestling. Um, hope you guys have yeah. a uh, wonderful – yes. Yeah, real quick, I was going to say, I know you're a big LJN, big LJN fan. Uh, the Junkyard Dog figure is one of the, you know, the originals. And it's so iconic, especially with the, with the chain – what what was about I was asking what was it about Junkyard Dog as a, as a kid Brian that captivated you and, and real quickly I want to say that you made a great point talking about how he main evented the first few Saturday nights main events that's a great great observation right there he was a big part of the the first run of Saturday nights main events he doesn't get enough credit uh, for uh, the contributions he made to that era that he was a part of he was a gigantic part of it. And I don't think people realize how big of a part JYD played during that whole era because, you know, Hulk Hogan needed supporting characters. And, and JYD was definitely one of those big supporting characters for Hulk Hogan. So I wanted to ask you quickly before you get off, what was it 
about JYD that captivated you as a child? Was it the song? Was it how he acted? What, what, what did it for you? Because I'm sure that he was one of your favorites growing up as a kid as well. Definitely, yeah. The uh, just the charisma, you know, getting in there and dancing with the ring, his swagger, the uh, the chain, the, uh, the nobody uh, nobody could top the JYD as far as his attitude in the ring, and and yeah, the J the uh, the LJN figures. I had the one with the uh, the gray or silver chain they like to call it. They actually came with a black chain and a red chain also, which I didn't find out till years later. I had the thumb wrestler. I had the uh, the Bendy's figure. Uh, we even had the stretch wrestler of Junkyard Dog, though that uh, that didn't make it all these years. It uh, it fell apart. But uh, but yeah, I'm actually painting a JYD as we talk. I've, I've got one that I'm doing with the light blue type. I've done several with the white type. So uh, JYD, the power slam he could do with that JY with that uh, LJN figure with the the perfect slam pose that he had. He's uh, an iconic figure as well as uh, an iconic uh, presence in the world of WWF. So uh, not too many more uh, toyetic, toyetic uh, figures in the line of LJN than, uh, than Junkyard Dog. So thanks for uh, asking about that as well. Yeah, man. Thank you very much, as always, for calling in. Definitely. Have a great rest of your week, guys, and uh, thanks thanks again for the show. Take care. All right, man. I think Jumpin' Jay's audio is cut out. He just texted me, so I'm going to have to take over uh, for a minute now. The only problem with that is, is that Jay – handles the, uh, the, the the call-ins on his end. So until he connects back with me, I guess I'm going to be freestyling talking uh, until he can get back on. He goes, okay, give me a second. So I'm sure he's going to get right back on. Uh, but talking about JYD real quick again, as I was saying, about him not getting the credit that he deserves as far as how big of a part he played during that 1985, 1986, really – uh, the beginning boom period of the WWF captivating into pop culture. Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan had a few supporting characters back then in that time frame, Jimmy Superfly Snuka and Junkyard Dog. I mean, those guys were the big baby faces alongside with Hogan, Tito Santana, another one that doesn't get the credit that he deserves. And I would love to do a, a future episode on Tito as well. I know we had Tito on the uh, podcast before we just do a, a perspective of his career and, and, and have people call in. Uh, he's another one that's on some hero during that time. But JYD is right there on the top of it. And, and Brian hit the nail on the head about uh, the charisma factor. Like he came in the ring, like and he's one of the first guys during that time that was coming out to music as well and, and, and dancing with the fans. And he was just larger than life. Uh, and, and, and yeah, he was, he was, he was, unbelievably underrated as far as the amount of success he's brought to that uh, company during that time. Jumpy J, are you back? I'm back. Sorry about that. My audio cut out for a little bit, but I am 100% back listening and enjoying the show. Great. You can take over. Well, I was going to say, you know, I was listening to a Hulk Hogan interview a couple days ago, and he talked about, they asked him, what's the biggest difference between the product today and the product when Hogan uh, was wrestling? And he said, the biggest difference is back then we had wrestlers who were attractions. He said, today it feels like all the wrestlers are kind of interchangeable, and if one guy goes down, they have another guy that looks very similar that they can plug in. But back in the day, we had attractions. And I would say that JYD fits that. 
Uh, like Babyface Brian was saying, when he would invite kids to the ring, kids would dance with him. He had a sweet gimmick. He was part of the rock and wrestling kind of movement. He was an attraction. He was somebody that you paid to see his whole, his whole show, not just him step between the ropes. And so I would say when we're talking about legends of this time frame, you have to include JYD in that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, if you look at, uh, I was going to say, if you look at, you had Ricky Steamboat and Tito Santana possibly just a, a notch below charisma wise. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to laugh. I didn't know that you, I didn't know that baby face Brian was still on the call. I would have been talking to him, but I'm not talking about myself and you cut out. I'm just laughing because <laughs> I had no idea you were so hot. <laughs> Sorry awesome. about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I was great. gonna, I was gonna say you throw Sergeant Slaughter and Andre in the in the mix and Snuka, but uh, arguably JYD <laughs> had more charisma than maybe everybody but Slaughter. You know, JYD and Slaughter and Hogan probably had the most charisma out of that band of baby faces. But uh, Steamboat Tito, uh, I just like where you're going with that conversation, Tommy. Where Tito and Andre and uh, and Steamboat were were in that supporting character line behind um, behind Hogan, but JYD uh, charisma wise, I, I'd put him right there up, uh, you know, with as far as being just right there with Hogan for charisma. So thanks again for letting me talk. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Thank you for filling the dead air for us, Tommy. Is my my audio cut out, which is kind of strange, but I'm glad it's back. Uh, we're going to keep this conversation rolling. We're talking about the JYD, the Junkyard Dog. And up next to join the conversation, none other than Firefighter Brian. Good morning, Brian. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome back, gentlemen. How are you? Hey, we're doing very well on our end, Brian. How are you doing? I can't complain. Can't complain. Hey, listen, the uh, but first things first, I just want to say quick, I know this happened last week while you were on vacation, Jay. <clears throat> but rest in paradise, uh, Mike Halleck, better known as Mantar, and I know that's a mm-hmm. rough one for you, Tommy. He was uh, going to appear at uh, at WrestleCon, uh, at 90s WrestleCon. And I just wanted to ask quick, um, do either of you have any uh, – Memories or moments or stories from uh, working with them, a meeting with them, or anything of the such. Uh, I actually never worked with him nor met him, and actually uh, uh, another vendor was bringing him in uh, for '90s wrestling con. So I've never had any interaction with him. I, I, I thought the gimmick was really cool though in the the mid '90s when he he, he did that. Uh, it was definitely unique. We were just talking about how you know everyone's a cookie cutter and now. Uh, you know, people were different back then. So yeah, it was a it was a cool character. It was different. I I never personally had any uh, interaction with him or ever met him though. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, look, listen, God bless the guy wherever he is. But I, from the second I saw him, I thought the gimmick was horrible, even for mid nineties WWF. <laughs> I mean the uh, I mean the, the headdress, the the whole thing. The the only miracle was he would have been a perfect wrestler for Harvey Whippleman. And who did they give him? One of the greatest managers of all time, Jim Cornette. To this day, I find that find that weird. But I will say, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, how J- JYD always made for, even to this day, he makes for a great wrestling figure. I mean, the figures they make of him with Mattel today, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I've, I've screamed for years. I would love for them to dive into 
you know, the Mantars, the Max Moons, the Aldo Montoyas, Duke the Dumpster Drossi, the Damian Demento. Those figures would look sick. I uh, I know they've done, you know, Red Rooster, the Goon. They're coming out with a gobbledygooker. Um, you know, I'd like to see them go back to those, you know, to kind of do some of those older gimmicks that may not have been around a lot uh, for long, but definitely uh, remain memorable. And um, I just want to say, Tommy, congratulations. You know, I would, I, I'm from Long Island, okay? Us New Yorkers, especially Long Islanders, we don't know anything about Wildwood or any of those places. I was there for a weekend with a Jersey family in 2015. And I'll tell you, you know, Wildwood is a magical place. That's a huge venue. That's a huge, uh, that's a huge score. Congratulations. And, and Jay, I, I know you guys just came back from vacation. You know, if you have time and you're able to do it, I'll t- tell you, it's a great place to spend the weekend. And, uh, you know, you, you'll let – hey, Tommy, I'll say, before I get to Junkyard Dog, let me just ask you, you know, my, I, loved, I loved my weekend at Wildwood. You know my only gripe with Wildwood is, though? What's that? I have my one gripe with it. You have to listen to your headphones when you go to sleep to drown out the watch the tram car, please, going over and over and over <laughs> in your mind. Well, listen, brother, this, this year, this year it's to be watch ISBW, please, down there. I'm going to be on the, I'm going to be driving that tram car up and down the boardwalk saying watch ISBW, please. <laughs> That's a good Jay. They have a tram car, and oh, I feel sorry for the poor bastard that drives that thing. Yeah, yeah. but watch the tram car. Actually, I, I, real quick, Brian. Brian, yeah. real quick, Brian, real sure. quick. I, I have a better idea. I think I'm gonna have the Stromboli sisters drive the oh, tram there car. Up and down there the you go. There you go. I like that. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was just gonna say that, Tommy. <laughs> We're very good. Jay, watch the tram car, please. Watch the tram car, please. Watch the tram car, please. Over and over and over. That's the only gripe about it. But other than that, it's a great place. And uh, it, Tommy, I'm, no, you, you know how many people in Jersey have never been to Wildwood. This is a great place to go to one of the, the country's best kept secrets. And uh, yeah, congratulations, big, big, big score. Um, that was one of my, oh, my pleasure. And, uh, but you know, a junkyard dog, when I started watching rest, I started watching wrestling, um, 84, 85, somewhere around that. And junkyard had just come from mid South. And, you know, as I got older, I started, you know, watching older stuff and, you know, getting into, you know, other, you know, stuff that happened early, you know, mid South and the territories and all that. And it, Junkyard Dog is an underrated figure in the sense that, um, you know, they were black wrestlers years and years before Junkyard Dog. Um, but I don't know if any of them made an impact on their respective company the way he did in Mid-South. And, you know, Bill Watts gets trashed a lot, for, you know, his list of rules and for his way of booking. Um, but he was to wrestling what, you know, Sam Phillips was to rock and roll and what, you know, Branch Rickey was to um, 
baseball in the sense that, you know, doesn't matter what they are, whatever. They can, it's like Don King says, the color of America, it isn't red, it isn't white, it isn't blue, it's green. And I don't care if you're black, white, blue, purple, what you are. If you can draw money, why the hell wouldn't I want you? Okay? And uh, he most certainly did that. And that feud with Michael Hayes, well, Michael Hayes blinded him, and he said, yeah, Chuck mm-hmm. Young says, my daughter's going to be born, I'm not going to be able mm-hmm. to see her. I mean, people wanted to kill him. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of most heels today would be able to would be able to handle the heat that guys like Michael Hayes, Fred Blassie, Sergeant Slaughter got. Okay, so that was very revolutionary. And you know what? As far as uh, you know, I saw the dark side of the ring, and people said, "I don't know why Vince didn't cash in," because it was so top heavy at the time. I mean, Hogan was so over that there was no, so big, there was no room for anybody else. And I thought, you know, in the kind of title at the Garden, WrestleMania 1, that crowd would have went ballistic. There's just one problem. You had Greg Valentine, who was doing a good job with the title, and you had Tito on his back trying to get the title back. And mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%, Tommy. Uh, Tito, Tito's one of my all-time favorites. What a wrestler, what a worker, and what a guy. I had the pleasure of meeting him. Great guy. I heard, I heard he uh, retired from teaching, so hopefully he'll make some more mm-hmm. appearances. Great guy. But I'll just add with the with Junkyard Dog, you know, had to, he, his merchandise, top-notch. I just got his T-shirt, his uh, blue T-shirt, where he's uh, his face with the bulldog body. And, um, it, for a guy who was, when you look at it, he wasn't with the WWF for long. He was there like three, four years. And yet his impact in such a little amount of time, he made a bigger impact than guys that were with the company, you know, 10, 12 mm-hmm. years. So uh, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate, you know, how things ended with him, but he left an impact and that's all you can ask for. So uh, anything, anything you guys think about what I said? I love the point that you pointed out that uh, he's not—he wasn't there for a very long time, but that impact—he uh, made a huge impact. If you followed him in Mid South, you saw what he could do. I mean, he was their go-to babyface. He was on top of that territory, right. and then the fact that Vince McMahon, you know, cherry-picked him from there, offered him more money than Mid South could match to get him to the WWF, and yeah, he didn't push him at the top. You were—you're right on the money. The WWF was very top-heavy at this point, and so not everyone could be the main event guy. And so JYD, being used to being the main event guy, he transitioned very well to being what his role was in the World Wrestling Federation, and he made such an impact that, like you said, they're still making action figures of him today, and they're beautiful action figures, and people still know who he is. People still talk about him. I mean, they don't make Dark Side of the Ring episodes for everybody, you know, it has to be somebody that general fans will remember and be interested in tuning in. And so, yeah, he's one of these guys that wasn't there for a long time, but man, he definitely made the most of it. Would I love to have seen him have a run with the IC belt uh, or maybe get a, a higher level push than he did? Yeah, I think he could have carried that IC belt. I think he could have done a lot towards that upper level of the card, but the spot that he was given for the time he was there, I don't think 
I don't think you could pick somebody who could have done as much as he did with the spot he was given. Very good point. And, you know, guys, unfortunately, I have a, I've had a few people in my life, you know, one is too many, but I've had a few people in my life who uh, left us way, way, way too soon. And, uh, you know, one thing that got us through it was, you know, you just know, you just know that keep saying to yourself, you know, they weren't here for a long time. If you're not going to be here for a long time, be here for a good time, mm-hmm. which is most certainly what Junkyard Dog was. And, you know, my I, my wife actually watched the dark side with me. And she's not a wrestling fan. And even she found it hard to watch with uh, mm. just, you know, his downward spiral, you know, yeah. when you saw just how beloved he was. And, you know, they said how his ring uh, skills were limited, which may be true. But he made up for it in charisma. But also, mm-hmm. one thing he doesn't get credit for as far as physicality goes he was able to body slam some big mothers, guys like mm-hmm. Bundy, one man gang with ease. So there was a lot of good with him. So listen, I'm sure you guys got other callers. Thanks for the time. And and I'll, one last thing, watch the tram car, please. Have a good weekend. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys uh, next week. Thank you so much, Brian. <laughs> Yeah, Jay White, he was a powerhouse, Tommy. He raised a good point. He could pick up some large men and slam them. He was this really kind of unique combination of power and charisma, and I think that's what helped him connect with the crowd. Absolutely, man. And also, uh, we, we didn't make mention, I was, a, I was a fan of the, it was a brief feud, but the Junkyard Dog Harley Race feud Absolutely. going into WrestleMania 3. Yeah, that was a fantastic feud, and yeah, you, you yeah, you just you look back at stuff like that and you go, yeah, he was really good at connecting with the crowd, getting them behind him, and Harley Race is one of the best wrestlers of all time. And so you can say that JYD is limited in the ring, which he was, but the fact that he could go and have that type of feud with King Harley Race and grab people's attention just tells you the kind of performer he was. And and also, not only that, Jay, he's he's a slammy award winner, Junkyard Dog. He is, you're right. Absolutely. All right, we're going to keep the conversation rolling on the JYD up next from the hot city of Atlanta. We're talking to Joe. Joe, welcome to the JYD conversation. Hey, Junkyard Dog. Uh, My favorite about Junkyard Dog is actually the cartoon character in rock and roll wrestling. I don't feel up to it this morning, but I used to myself do an impression of that gruff, gravelly, Almost yeah. Macho Man like voice, but uh, yeah, I'm not I, I'm not in the zone to to, to try it this morning. But uh, yeah, every once in a while I'll catch myself. Yeah, so uh, yeah, rock and roll wrestling. Yeah, he was he was great in it. Um, I I do have so I have about twenty loose LJN wrestling figures, and Junkyard Dog is one of them. No, I no longer have the dog chain. Um, for some reason, I still have the Hillbilly Jim hat, that, uh, but uh, lost my dog chain. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, he he's kind of like a Buddy Holly or Jimi Hendrix, only the good die young. Uh, so it's kind of like what, what he he could have been more, I guess. Um, I here's here's where I'm rambling because I don't have like a Hogan and Macho Man and. Andre the Giant. I don't have a lot of memories of watching his matches, unfortunately. Probably something to do with my age. Um, 
in, in recent time I've been YouTubing. So, yeah, it seems like he had a lot of power coming out to – I've seen him come out to Another One Bites the Dust for the theme song. I don't know if there's other songs he came out to, but that's the one that grabs me. Yeah, so as you guys are all talking about the energy he came to the ring with, it was pretty sweet. Um, yeah, and then it, here, here's kind of where I don't mean to to make a joke about death, but I didn't really know, you know, when he died. So I'm looking at it right now. It says he died in 1998. I I don't I didn't hear of that. You know, like people say they heard of when John Lennon died, etc. I hadn't I I didn't know. You know, flew over my head. Um, so it wasn't really till recent years, as you guys are talking about the dark side of the ring. And that's when it seems like an interesting story. And if I have the, the synopsis of it correct, it was a car accident in the South. Um, mm-hmm. But it does seem like one of those things for all of us uh, 80s wrestling fans to take a look at that because uh, it seems interesting. And it seems, I want to say, I don't, I haven't picked up, like some wrestlers get bad names with steroids, etc. this, that. You guys know what I'm talking about. But I haven't picked up anything as a personal human being that um, there was any, you know, anybody had a bad word to say about the dude as a real person. So he seemed to, even as a human being, a respectful JYD, junkyard dog. Uh, is, that, is that all I got, folks? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I got. Well, Joe, we, we appreciate what you add to <laughs> the show. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. His character on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, that gravelly voice, uh, that that is something that yeah he will be remembered by for anybody that saw that cartoon and uh, as he was talking about Thomas he was talking about 1998 the passing uh, of JYD it kind of just goes to show how how much more knowledge or information is at our fingertips now that we have the internet because in 1998 there was no social media you're not seeing people post photos sure. or memories of wrestlers that pass away and so I remember as a kid you would hear rumors of wrestlers passing and you wouldn't really know if they were true or not. Cause there was really no way to fact check them. And so that's one positive thing about social media and about uh, the reach of the internet now is when somebody like AJYD does pass away, you can get that information out to his fans more readily. Back in 98, you really didn't have the means to communicate what a former sure. WWE star was up to. Sure. And, uh, and and real briefly, just to, to touch upon what you just said about not knowing when he passed away, he did pass away in 1998. It was actually June 1st, 1998, coincidentally, and jumping to that's my daughter's birthday. Uh, so he, he passed away on June 1st. He was only 45 years old, and it was from a single car accident. And the, the sad part is, is that he was coming home with his daughter's high school graduation mm-hmm. uh, when he uh, he died in a car accident. So that makes it a really, really, really uh, tragic ending for a man that left a big legacy in our industry. Very well said, man. We have uh, another caller that's been waiting on hold. I know he's going to have a lot to, to give to this conversation. So we're going to welcome Toto with Tom into the conversation. Toto with Tom, good morning, sir. Welcome to the JYD Conversation. Tommy, my appearance fees have just gone up. The five-star caller is here to save this show. Between the cackling and the laughing of Fireman Brian and then Babyface Brian being on hold for like 30 minutes and Jumping Jay losing 
you know, uh, contact with the show. <laughs> it, here I am, and here's the biggest discrepancy of all. You mentioned in passing Richard Holiday as the new ISPW heavyweight champion. Richard Holiday defeated three mainstays in one night. PW. He defeated Crowbar, Leo Sparrow, and Bull James. Mind you, his ribs were bruised after his first match with Crowbar. He had to come out and have them taped. He won three matches in one night, is the new ISPW heavyweight champion, and you mentioned him in passing? This is the greatest champion this promotion has ever seen. In total with Tom, we'll be boycotting all future episodes until... Mr. Holiday makes an appearance on here. Well, there you go. I think I can make that happen. What do you think, Jumpin' Jay? I, listen, saying he's the greatest ISP, ISPW champion in the history of the, the, the company, is that what he said? That's pretty praise. That's high praise coming from Toto Tom, the ISPW super fan. You forget, Jumping Jim. I am the one who was on this podcast weeks prior to the event, and I said Richard Holiday was going to win. When everyone else was saying crowbar, all the people on the internet, all the people on social media, I came on the air and said Richard Holiday was going to win. Yes, he I'll did. See if I can, he did. He I'll did. See if I can dig up that audio you clip. Better, you better give him his flowers. I'll give have to see flowers. if I can find that audio clip. The junkyard dog. As a kid growing up. I gravitated towards the wrestlers who were athletic. I never saw Junkyard Dog as being one of those wrestlers. I don't mean to shit on him. I'm just being straight, and I'm shooting with you guys because Toto Atom, that's that's what I do, right? I'm a straight shooter, and I'm just giving you my opinion. I cannot debate his charisma, though, and he drew money down south, and he was very charismatic, Mm -hmm. but I never was on board with him just because I saw limitations inside the ring. Now, this is 15, 16-year-old Toto Atom. Now, the seasoned vet that I am, I appreciate what he brought to professional wrestling, and I understand now that it's not storylines. So, JYD, I actually look fonder now as an adult in the world of professional wrestling. And I want to touch on one more thing. Babyface Brian or Firefire Brian, you got to get rid of these Brian's. There are too many on the show. One of them said that Hulk Hogan recently said that the attractions are gone and JYD was an attraction. I have no one to blame but the promoters because we do have attractions today. We have Omos in the WWE. We have Brian Cage in AEW. This is what Hogan was talking about larger-than-life characters. And until you stop having Brian Cage lose to uh, Orange Cassidy and Jack Perry and all these people that he shouldn't be losing to, and Omos, who hasn't had a win in six months, you won't have attraction. It's all on how you book them. 100%, man. I couldn't agree with you more. 100% what you just said. Let me ask you two guys a question when it comes to booking attractions. It's, I believe what they, they say, the, the reason they've switched the way they book attractions 
is because they don't want any performer to seem larger than the company. Do you guys believe that that's the reason that they no longer book people as attractions? They don't want individual wrestlers or individual talents to seem larger than the company itself? Hold on one second. Toto Watan, let me answer this first. I don't think Toto Watan meant it that way. I think Toto Watan meant it as back in the day, in the 80s, there were all shapes and sizes, whether it be King Kong Bundy or Big John Studd or or Earthquake or or Typhoon, like these larger-than-life characters. I think he meant it that way, correct, Tom? Yes, they went over. Yeah. So, yeah, so if that's the case, I'll go first, and then I'll let Tom talk. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, Tom hit the nail. Listen, Tom hit the nail right on the head with what he said is about it's the promoter's fault. It's one million percent the promoter's fault because I could tell you, if uh, I'll use, I'll just I'm going to use two guys for example. It, it, it's obviously not an angle or anything like that. I'm just I'm just using these two guys for example. So give me a guy in the on the lower totem pole of of uh, or right, so just say Mustafa Ali. They're, they're trying to get Mustafa Ali over. And they're trying to get Omos over at the same time. So Omos comes out, kills someone quickly. Next week comes out, kills someone quickly. The third week comes out and kills someone quickly. The fourth week against someone that maybe someone had heard of gets a couple punches in. That's it, though. Gets killed. The next week kills someone again. The following week kills someone again. Finally, the eighth week, Mustafa Ali lights him up with some drop kicks and punches, you know, knocks him off his feet. Then it means something. So it, it's all about how you book someone. You can tell the story, man, and, and the people at home are going to have to either listen to it, pay attention to it, or change the channel, but they don't even bother doing it. Uh, they, they can get Omos over gigantically. They, they, they can get anyone over. It's just that they don't, have, they don't have, at least today, they don't have the patience or the time uh, span or the, or the uh, you know, like back then they would, they, would, they would show six weeks worth of vignettes before they even debuted someone on TV, that's how you got someone over. Uh, they, they just hot shot and rush everything nowadays. They don't put the time and effort into getting someone over the proper way. But, yeah, Tom hit the nail on the head, man. It's all, it's all on whoever's booking it, 1 million percent. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't have said it any better, Jumping Jim. Um, but to uh, answer your question, do promotions uh, not want to have their stars bigger than the – letters, the three letters themselves, I don't think they have any say in that. If you recall Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan, he, he was basically booked per the fans. L.A. Knight right now in the current WWE product is, is being booked by the fans to a degree. They're smart that they're not giving in 100%, but the fans determine at the end of the day who gets pushed and who doesn't. So I think at the end, it's the green that the promoters want to see, and the promoters will do what they have to to get that green. And if that means pushing someone to the moon, they'll do it. Like Tommy Fierro is going to double my appearance fee after this show, the five-star car. Absolutely, man. That's it for me, guys. Total with Tom out. All right, Tommy, there you go. Total with Tom with a hot take naming Richard Holiday is the greatest ISPW champion in history. Is that a, is that a, is it, is it too soon to make that claim, Tommy? What's your feeling? 
I'm not sure. I think your reception, you're breaking in and out on me, on, on my end anyway. Uh, I think you said about him being the greatest ISW champion of all time. That, that, that remains to be seen because, as you know, Ace Starling was a five-time ISW heavyweight champion, and, and some of the past ISW champions, you know, Chris Candido was a former ISW champion, but Richard Holiday is definitely in great company. Uh, big fan of his. Uh, definitely going to bring some uh, credibility to the title. If you're not familiar with him, you can go back and watch his work recently in uh, MLW. About a year back, he was uh, he, he wound up receiving horrible news that he had cancer. He was away for the last year. Just recently came back. So it's a and uh, Sports Illustrated actually did a, a story on it. You can actually Google uh, Sports Illustrated Richard Holiday. You read the story, but uh, it's, it's a great story of him in general and his comeback. And I'm honored uh, to have him as the champion of ISW. And our, our next show is actually be two days before our Big Wildwood show on August the 24th back in West Milford, New Jersey at St. Joseph's Church Parish Hall. And it's going to be Richard Holiday defending the title for the first time against Crowbar, who we knocked out in the first round. Again, that's August 24th, a Thursday night. Uh, but, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to have him as the champion of the promotion 100%. Well, he's definitely one we'll have to keep our eye on to see if he can live up to the hype that Toto and Tom is placing on him as potentially the greatest champion uh, that the Federation has ever seen. Um, Tommy, before we wrap up, I'd love to hear the thing that pops into your brain when you hear the name. Junkyard dog. Grab them cakes. Oh, <laughs> was that all you do? Grab them. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing and I'm doing it with my as I'm as I'm talking right now, Jumping Jack. Picture me in my store, and I'm doing uh, the thing with the legs. How he did it right now as I'm talking to you. I'm doing it. Oh, that's awesome. We got it. We got to start broadcasting this show on YouTube, buddy, because people have got to see you no, do no, no, the no, JYD no, no, no. dance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, so, yeah, man. So, yeah, it was a fun episode today. Uh, we don't have no more callers on, right? Nope, that was it, buddy. Yeah, so, yeah, I think I think that uh, the legacy of JYD in the WWF and in pro wrestling in general will definitely uh, last forever. I think that, again, he is very underrated as far as the legacy he's left behind in the world of professional wrestling. And uh, he was such... Uh, a huge star in Mid-South back in the day, uh, probably more so than he was in the WWF, and he was huge in the WWF. So a great career, uh, a great name, and a really fun topic today here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Now, Jumpin' J, remember I I said a couple weeks back, anyone that sent a letter in uh, would be uh, raffled in for a T-shirt? Yes, absolutely, I remember that. We've gotten several emails. Uh, that's Love emails. it. Se- several snail, several several snail mails. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I'm gonna try another one this week. So grab your pen and paper, because we are <laughs> gonna do another contest this week. Anyone that writes in and tells us what they would like to hear on a future episode. Oh, I love it. Of 80s wrestling, the podcast. Uh, when we choose it, we will not only give you a shout-out, but we will ship you out an ISPW T-shirt as well. So everyone out there, grab the address. It is ISPW Wrestling. Attention, 80s Wrestling, the podcast. P.O. Box 255, 
and that's in Stockholm, S-T-O-C-K-H-O-L-M, New Jersey, 07460. Uh, let us know what episode you'd like to hear in the future, or uh, have us redo a, a, a older episode from when we first started, now that we have live callers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to pick some out and then announce them on the air, and we'll have some fun. What's up, Jay? You have any uh, big plans this weekend? No, gonna gonna lay low this weekend. Just kind of enjoy some family time, and then we'll see what next ring brings. How about you, Tommy? What you got going on this weekend? I am going on uh, Friday. We're bring we for uh, my daughter's birthday. We bought her tickets to Kids Bop, and it's actually this Woo. Friday here in New Jersey. So uh, we're taking her to Kids Bop, and she's a big Kids Bop fan. So uh, we're excited to uh, see how she acts when she gets there. I'm sure she's going to be going nuts. So uh, we're doing that Friday night. Saturday, I'll be at the store at the Wrestling Collector all day in Stockholm, New Jersey. And then on uh, Sunday, uh, one of the Stromboli sisters' daughter's birthday party. And one of the Stromboli sisters as well, Stromboli sister Vanessa. And uh, her daughter, Violet, it is their birthday, double birthday bash this Sunday here in New Jersey. So we'll be celebrating celebrating Strombolis this Sunday here in New Jersey and the little kids' bop. Very big weekend. Does your daughter know about the Kids Bop concert, or will it be a surprise? No, no, she knows, and she's very excited she for it. So, so she's, uh, she's yeah, hyped. Doing that. She's ready. So I, could actually, I could actually have a regular – it's the summertime, so schools are closed. You know, all of our – a lot of our events are in high school gyms and school sure. gyms and stuff like that. So a, uh, a weekend away from wrestling, which is very well needed for me, so I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you have a great weekend. I hope everyone out there has a great weekend. And we'll catch you back here next week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.